Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now, here's your host for today's broadcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Truth and Liberty. I'm Dwayne Sheriff, and I'm excited about today's program. I've got my good friend Josh Burkeen, Burkeen, Congressman, U.S. Congressman. We got some exciting things to share with you. I have just a few announcements, and then we're going to jump right in with with Congressman Josh. And I just know you're going to be blessed. You need to to call some friends. This will be exciting. It will be informative. It'll be inspirational and hopefully educational in regards to our nation and where we're going and some things we need to be doing. So the the phone number, if you want to call in and ask a question, is 719-619-2341. Again, if you have any comments or questions, you can call 719-619-2341. We also here at the ministry have a 24-hour prayer line, and it is awesome. These prayer warriors and partners are incredible. And so anything you have need for, you can call literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That prayer line is 719-635-1111. And if you can't find 11 on on your phone, it's 1111. That's... Andrew's favorite joke. So we'd love to hear from you in your questions. And again, pray for you if you have need of anything. We also have our Truth and Liberty uh, uh, conference that's coming up. It is over the top. It just keeps growing and, and is such a blessing every year. We have special events scheduled for you that I know will bless you. Uh, and that's September the 7th through the 9th. September the 7th through the 9th. That's the Truth and Liberty Coalition Conference 2023 for His Glory. Our guest speakers are Andrew Walmack, Congressman Doug Lamburn, David Barton. Man, that's a blessing to get to hear David live. Alex McFarlane, he's a good friend of mine and and just a genius. You will be truly blessed with Alex. Chad Connolly, Lucas Miles, Janet Porter, Mohammed Faraday, or Faraday, and our own Richard Harris. That's September the 7th through the 9th. And man, if you can be there, I promise you will be blessed. You will be encouraged and inspired. I want to encourage leaders, pastors, to make sure that if at all possible, you can make that conference. I promise you, you're going to get something that's going to help equip you and make you a blessing to your people. Well, I'm excited about today's show. Uh, I've known... Uh, Congressman Josh for many years. His family's actually been a part of my ministry for uh, uh, quite a while. And uh, they are all such a blessing, committed Christians. And Congressman Josh has just been recently elected uh, to the U.S. Congress. He served at the state Senate level, I think, what, eight years? Eight years. And so I got to watch him and and, uh, be a part of his life and his family. And so I know his character, I know his integrity, and uh, 
Man, I'm just excited. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Josh? Yeah, um, I, uh, my walk with the Lord, anybody who uh, you know doesn't start with that probably got their identity messed up. So uh, hopefully, you know, on my tombstone, serving the Most High, and then I can put that there. Um, and then I've got a beautiful bride, um, been married a number of years. Um, She's knocking the rough edges off of me every year to a greater <laughs> level, uh, Casey. And then uh, we, we share four uh, wonderful kiddos um, as mom and dad. And and um, um, and then I, you know, I ranch. Um, I'm, I'm big hat, small number of cattle these days. I'd sell a lot of cattle that, that election cycle to yeah. pay for my private finances in that in that congressional run. But uh, I ranch still. Uh, grew up in the cutting horse industry. Um, heavy in, in uh, my time spent after college, even I trained cutting horses for a while. And then um, the heavy equipment world, I've set a number of years on a dozer, on an excavator, and I uh, actually have a Class A CDL as a uh, driven a semi truck. That's who we need to send to Congress. <laughs> a yeah. dozer. Yeah. Someone that can run a dozer and ride a horse. Maybe we can fix things. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Common sense. Amen. Uh, uh, common sense. Uh, I, I've got a. A mentor and a friend who used to say, "How many people in Congress actually know how to change their own tire?" Yeah, that was always a, a that ought to be a qualification. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Well, I want to jump in as as quick as possible and dive into uh, how God has blessed you already. Actually, uh, being a first year congressman, first term, yeah. and you have been blessed with being able to sit on a couple of the committees: the yes. Budget Committee, the Homeland Security, yes, uh, Border. And deal with our border. I got I got a lot of things I'd love to run by you there, but I don't know how we're going to do on time. But again, God has blessed you. He's definitely honored you, and and I believe you're there to make a, a difference. That you're from our district, and that's why we're so proud of you uh, here in Oklahoma. And already, I think you're making a difference. Eventually, I want to get into the into the gang of twenty. Uh, Congressman Josh was a part of that gang of twenty, and and I had an inside track because of that. And one of the things I got to learn, even watching that, is again how fraudulent the media is, yeah. how they have a narrative and they twist things and and deceive. Uh, and so you couldn't believe anything the national media media was saying. But even some of the Republicans that I don't know if they're Democrats, I don't know if they don't see the times we live in and the the need to, to make some changes. But even some of the Republicans were saying some negative things about you guys. Yeah. And I knew with you being in the middle of that, what was really going on. And so I'd like to get into some of that. Okay. But let's just jump in with uh, the budget committee uh, because uh, the the deficits that were running are overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, they're, in my opinion, they they are not just bad stewardship. It's immoral what we're doing in the destruction of our country uh, and the next generation. There's got to be a stop to this sometime, and and some some personal responsibility out of Congress and and even a president. So anyway, I just want to get your take as you said on that committee. Uh, what are some things you're seeing and that. Uh... Well, before I go into the numbers, I just want anyone to hear me. My staff is constantly talking to me. We've done 60 town halls and they're always saying, you know, give them the truth. But man, we've got to make sure people you know, hear hope. And so I want anybody that, that hears this. I want to start with saying um, that uh, on our money is in God we trust. So every problem we're talking about that has to do with our financial situation, we are miraculously a country that in 1776 were driven out of every state 
after we had signed that Declaration of Independence, the burlap rags in the snow, Christmas Day, um, that uh, the stories have been told forever. Washington knew with 2,800 soldiers left, he was about to lose it all. Six months after they'd signed the Declaration of Independence, we had lost every battle. He writes uh, uh, Victory or Death. That was the passcode to get across the water on Christmas Eve. He knew he had to do something because on January 1, he's going to lose half of those 2,800 up for enlistment. And morale was incredibly low. They had no finances, blood in the snow. 48 hours, they you know, go into Trenton. They um, surprised the Hessians. They uh, had five people that were wounded. One of those was future President James Monroe. And um, they captured uh, 1,200 uh, individuals, brought them across 48 hours later without eating, without sleeping. They're exhausted. But within three weeks, 15,000 people rallied to a cause that looked hopeless. So anybody who thinks that we can't turn this thing around, if God got us here miraculously, he'll turn it around miraculously. Amen. So I want to say that first. We are going to overspend by $1.5 trillion this year. That, If you go back exactly 40 years ago, that's the size of our gross national debt in 1983. We didn't even trip $1 trillion in gross national debt after 200 years of, of, of debt loading until 1980. We're going to overspend this year in one year what it took us 200 years to get to by 1983, exactly 40 years ago. In addition to that, it's not just the $32 trillion that if you want to know the account uh, held by every baby that opens its eyes and takes in its first breath of air today, born in America, just for their share of the $32 trillion, that baby who opens its eyes owes $97,000. That's the latest number. Mm -hmm. They open their eyes, taking their first breath of air to pay off their share of the $32 trillion. They have to come up with $97,000 right now to get square with the house just on the $32 trillion. Mm -hmm. The only way they're going to pay it off is through a lower standard of living or a miracle. Second part, that is, that's the gross national debt. The other things that people aren't talking about is the unfunded liabilities that's not even a part of the $32 trillion. When you add what we owe Medicare and Social Security, it's $80 trillion. That's the unfunded amount of Medicare and Social Security. Mm -hmm. Medicare hits insolvency in 2028. That's just five years from now. Mm -hmm. Social Security hits insolvency in 2033. Insolvency is not bankruptcy. Insolvency is that you don't have enough paid in to match the payout mm -hmm. because it's based on the payroll tax. Not, not, not as in our gross national debt. All the other governance is based upon revenue collected from income, corporate tax, dividends. But, but specific to Medicare and Social Security, it's paid for by the payroll tax, 15.3%, divided by 7.65 to the employee and employer. Well, <laughs> that's running out of money. And that's not something Congress votes on every year. That's just the issue of 1935 when Social Security was started. You had one person in retirement being supported by 150 people working. Today, it's one person in retirement with six people working. Wow. So we're in abysmal shape there with that $80 trillion unfunded liability. And then we have what we owe veterans for pension. We have what we owe for federal employees for pensions. We have these different trust programs even outside of Medicare and Social Security. When you add it all together, every year there's a treasury report that comes out. The last treasury report that I saw said you take the $32 trillion plus the $80 trillion plus the tens of trillions of the pensions, veterans, federal employees, and it's $124 trillion. And the way that they recited that dollar amount is if you want to get square with the House over the next 75 years to meet all of our obligations, then everybody in America sell everything you have, surrender 85% of that to the federal government when you get square with the House. You can maintain 15%. And we'll get square with the house and meet obligations. That's $124 trillion. Oh. And so we're in bad shape. Most um, people um, here, politicians talk about this, but they never do the fact check to see what their elected officials are doing to correct it. And 
on average, our revenue collection as a nation, if you go back the last 50 years, we've hovered at 20% of our GDP, gross domestic product, which is all wages and all labor and all products, that surrenders annually our GDP. It's about 25 trillion. Our um, ability to maintain this thing is going in the tank because in relation to our, our uh, GDP, our, our debt load just on the 32 trillion, um, our annual interest payments continues to climb as we right. continue this self-defeating cycle. But we're 12th largest among all countries just on the 32 trillion in relation to our GDP. There's mm -hmm. only 11 other countries in the world that have a higher debt to GDP ratio than the United States. Wow, wow. Well, I appreciate what you're doing and that you're making a stand and that you're praying with us. We're praying for you. One of the things that we'll do at the end of the broadcast and I haven't talked to Congressman Josh over this, but how do we pray for, for, for people like yourself that see this and, and the urgency of it and that we've got to start making some changes? Brothers and sisters, we have to make changes. We've got to start voting for people that have a moral compass. We've got to start voting for people that have a conscience. <laughs> and we've got to start voting for people that care about our children and our grandchildren because what we're doing is absolutely wrong and we have to repent yeah. and repent means change our mind and our direction so yes. we really need people like yourself to come up with some creative ideas from the lord on how to put a stop gate on this on on how to stop the bleeding i, I would just like to see us stop the bleeding in my lifetime yeah. much less recover uh, so what are some ideas in, in regards to that that you see? So, look, it's pretty simple. And I, this is where I was going a while ago on the GDP, and in addition to where we rank among the nations. If you look at our 50-year graphing on how much revenue we bring in relative to our GDP, we hover at 20% revenue collection. Anytime in our history we get above 21, there's always a tax cut. Anywhere we get to about um, you know, uh, 19, 18, they raise taxes. Doesn't matter what's it, what what uh, entities are in charge of the government. We hover at twenty percent. That's where we're at right now. We're collecting on the average, the historic average of revenue. So people that are saying you just need to increase the taxes more to solve this problem. Let me give you also the twenty twenty two stats on the wealthiest one percent among us on income taxes. They already pay forty percent of all income right. taxes in America. The highest earners among everybody watching this program, the highest earners, the fifty percent of those highest earners, they pay ninety seven percent of all taxes in America. Highest fifty percent of all earners in America already pay ninety seven percent of all taxes in America income taxes, and the bottom fifty percent of all earners pay two point three percent. Yeah. And so it's we don't have a revenue problem. If you look post 2017 to now, we actually are bringing in $4.5 trillion annually in revenue. Before the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we were bringing in $3.5 trillion. It took us 200 years as a history in history to get to $3.5 trillion in 2017. They did a tax cut, brought our corporate individual, our corporate rate back to normalcy among the nations, where it was the highest or second highest among all nations, made people want to start domiciling their companies here again. We've actually seen an increase. There was something called dynamic scoring. You'll actually see revenue increase. We went from 3.5 trillion revenue to 4.5 trillion now. The problem is we were only spending in 2017 4.9 trillion. We're now spending 6.2 trillion. So if we would have been able to maintain the spending of just 2017, we'd almost have a balanced budget. Yeah. And now there's mandatory programs involved in that. That's also another complexity I kind of talked to a minute ago. But the reality is, unless we will go back to simplicity. What is biblical simplicity? You're a, you're a slave to the lender. 
we are becoming enslaved to six trillion that's not publicly held debt that's going to other countries. We're, we're enslaved, slavery to those countries over this. Oh. And, and our nation, there's a friend of mine from, from West Texas, I think the world of him, um, his name's Jody Arrington. And uh, he's got a, a, a motto. He says, reverse the curse. It's his call to all of us on the budget committee. He chairs the budget committee. He's a man of faith. And what he's talking about, we're under a curse right now because of our choices. Yeah. And we can reverse this curse if we'll go back to biblical principles mm. and start recognizing, live within your means, be frugal. Amen. Good students. Be efficient. Amen. Well, let me just encourage anyone watching, this is not going to change until we start electing people that see the crisis, that are willing to take the hit to stand up against the crisis and make the hard decisions. Yeah. We've got some hard decisions. Yes. And if we don't start electing people with a conscience, with a moral foundation that are principle driven, we're just going to keep driving the car off this cliff. And I just believe God is speaking. I believe he's moving. I believe he's raising men and women up like you uh, to make a difference and to, to stand because you've got, you've got an entire party that is against you and any kind of morality, any kind of, any kind of compass, any kind of, of, of stewardship. And then you've got within your own party people that are compromised. And so we're going to have to start making a difference uh, early in the primaries of, of primarying out people that aren't who they claim to be when they come home and put people in office that can stand up for truth and can stand against the media that is targeting you. I tell you, I just love you. I respect you. Tell me about the Gang of 20 yeah. uh, because uh, you guys made a stand. Yes. Uh, freshmen. A lot of you were freshmen. Yes. I know the Freedom Caucus was a part of that. Yes. Uh, but you guys really made a stand, your yeah. own party. Was was saying things against you in the in the media that weren't true. I knew they weren't true, yeah. and of course the Democratic Party was just absolutely attacking you guys yeah. for for trying to do the right thing with the speaker. So you know it's easy to pronounce the problem. I just did that. That's easy. What are you going to do about the problem? Everybody's a, in the Republican Party who runs for you know the Republican uh, in the Republican primary. They know how to say the right things. They know how to diagnose this problem. The problem is that people don't uh, aren't willing to put their own uh, countries interest ahead of their personal self-interest. And what happens is when it comes time to make the vote, to cut government spending, most people won't do it. They'll talk about the fact that inflation is being driven by this runaway federal spending. The fact that every family watching today, latest statistics show you that every person watching this program right now, it's in a family of four, is going to spend $1,100 more per month this month than they did prior than, than they did in January of 2021 to buy the exact same goods and services. Right. That's $13,700 more over the course of a year. So we know in addition to what we're about to beach ourselves financially because of the debt loading, within five years what we spend to defend our country is going to be a trillion dollars. It's 900 billion, so keeping up with inflation will be about a trillion dollars. In five years, what we spend just on our annual debt service payments, just interest on our debt yeah. loan is going to match that. And within, within uh, 27 years, they're saying we run out of fiscal space to where half of our budget becomes just interest on our debt. So everybody can talk a half good game. Half of the budget. Everybody on can interest talk alone. a good game about the problem. The answer, the, 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 what you need to know if you're you know, in a congressional district is don't just take their word for it. How are they voting? How are these organizations out there that actually look at their votes and say, are they really a conservative or are they just a campaign conservative? And so I highly encourage people to get to know those scoring index uh, groups that will score people.
Um, of course, on the evangelical front, to stand for biblical truth, I, Tony Perkins' uh, uh, Family Research Council. Fiscal restraint, there's groups like Club for Growth. They'll give you a pronouncement. How are people living up to what they say on the campaign? Because everybody's trained that their congressman in their home district's the good guy, and it's everybody else. Right. They've learned that by watching social media. It's always self-grandizement. It's always it's theater. It's 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 theater. It's well-scripted drama for public consumption. Uh, what people need to know is, am I getting the truth or am I just getting words? And so what the group of us at the head of the year, there were three or four of us that were just freshmen. I ran on the promise of I'm not just going to talk about the problem. I'm going to cut government spending. And I ran on that. And the people of Oklahoma 2nd Congressional District, you know, I, I was mentored by Tom Coburn. People remember him from years ago. He, like a semi-truck, drafted this ahead of me. And I'm like a little car behind him that gets to not have to enjoy the <laughs> You're in the slipstream. I'm drafting behind that leadership. And this Congressional yeah. District saw and respected knowing that one man can make a difference. And yes. he'll get in there and start putting them. He's the guy who brought forth the bridge to nowhere. They exposed the garbage of, you know, the, well, I, you know, everybody says, well, it's just one bill that's got all this bad in it. Well, what about amendments to go in and bring that piecemeal that stuff out of there? Yeah. Who's really doing that? Yeah. So, and I'm blessed. I had a great mentor politically years ago. And, and so that group of 20 of us went in there and, and, you know, I'm in the freedom caucus. So it was, you know, the freedom caucus, uh, mostly there's one or two that weren't in the freedom caucus. They're part of that 20 at the head of the year saying we can't give this gavel to, to, uh, to a continuation of status quo. And so what we did was we were driving for a hard bargain. And that hard bargain was, can we not live off the government that we had prior to COVID? We've, we've increased government spending on the baseline, annual baseline, 30% just prior, just since after COVID. It's every, every year built into the baseline. Mm. And the simple thing I'm asking my constituents back home is when I go in these town halls, can you not live off the government, not the federal government you're getting prior to, prior to um, you know, the, the COVID shutdowns? Um, we, we've got to give our kids and our grandkids a chance. Where's self-governance in all of this? Uh, I know that yeah. as a Christian, if we have, if we don't have self-governance, how how can we how can we have governance at different levels now that are anything but corrupt? Yeah, Ronald Reagan said, um, and I love this. I love this topic because Reagan in the '80s, you know, where we were at in the '80s. We, are more, we didn't have this cultural rotten warlord like we do. It's Ronald Reagan's president saying things like, if we become stop being one nation under God, we're going to be a nation gone under. He did that in Dallas, Texas. It, it's the same Ronald Reagan who said, and we come to a place to where we think self-governance has become outdated, that our, our, our society has become so complex that self-governance, which is what our founders advocated for, that self-governance no longer can, can keep up with it. And Ronald Reagan asked this question. He said, if that's the case and nobody anymore has the, uh, the capacity for self-governance, then who has the capacity to govern for others? Yeah. And what he's talking about is our founders gave us 18 enumerated powers in Article 1, Section 8. And they said, here's 18 things that the federal government's supposed to be, do. James Madison constantly, the father of our Constitution, talked about it being a limited government. Doesn't mean it's small. Federal spending on defense is large, but that's one fourth of those 18 enumerated powers is defense. What's happened is we've gotten involved on the federal level. Congresses before us have gotten involved into doing everything but maintaining that 18 things that's the blueprint for what this federal government was supposed to be. And they didn't mind the 10th Amendment. The 10th Amendment says the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states or reserved to the states respectively or to the people. What that means is if it's not listed in those 18 things, it's the states or the people. They specifically mention the people. Self-governance, the only way you maintain the balance of limited government is you have to have self-governance. 
It's why John Adams' famous quote, people can, you know, and, and, and we're learning, thanks to Charlie Kirk, to quote this, our constitution was made only for immoral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. But what you're not hearing is, go look that up. Um, John Adams actually wrote that to the Massachusetts militia, and he starts with this. He says, in that letter to the Massachusetts militia, in like 1798, he says, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled. Yeah, amen. And he goes to talk about that ambition, avarice, which means greed, would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through the net. Then he said our Constitution was made only for immoral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So what's happened is, as people's greed, their insatiable appetite, government solved my problem. Government helped me out. Government do what individual responsibility for long, so long was supposed to do. Mm. Has has That self-responsibility, that self-governance has been transferred to government, has, has gone into that vacuum, and we have blown apart the original mission statement of what our founders set up. Self-governance in tandem with limited government. It's why we're in debt, because we think that more government solves the problem. Reagan, again, said government is the problem. It's not the solution. <laughs> I think it was Reagan that said uh, some of the worst words you'll ever hear is knock, someone knocking at your door saying, I'm from the government to help you. you uh, wow. Well, we're coming up on our first break already. We have a lot more to cover. But I want to encourage you to, to call in. You can ask Josh some questions uh, in regards to some of these topics, uh, 719-619-2341. And I really believe God is calling us back to self-governance individually, calling the church back to our purpose in being benevolent and involved in benevolence in our communities yes. versus the government. Uh, I think it's our our stepping back and leaving these vacuums and these holes that government has moved in almost excited to take our place uh, with ulterior motives. When the church is doing benevolence in the, in the city, it's with a pure motive. When the government's doing benevolence, it's to enslave the masses. And so we've got to break away from this. There has to be some things happen there. Uh, we got just a couple of minutes before our first break. Again, you can call us at 719-619-2341. Um, can I expound on something? Like absolutely. That? So Jump I think, in. I think some people are, are talking about this young man. Um, I think he's from Tennessee. He's got this song. It's, it's becoming a hit right now. He's I've heard a it. Bearded, red-bearded young man. And he's talk, talking about the Richmond from Richmond. He's talking about those in Congress, Washington, D.C. Right. He's got a line in that that talks about, um, you know, if, if you are – um, five foot three and you're 300 pounds, the taxpayer shouldn't be paying for your fudge rounds. <laughs> and people say, well, that's pretty harsh. Yeah. <laughs> no, what, what he's saying is what yeah. you're doing to these people is yeah. you're giving them false hope that government is, yeah. the, is the way out. Yeah. Our first colony in America that was successful was uh, Jamestown. And he implemented based on, th I think it's Thessalonians. I don't know if it's First Thessalonians or Second Thessalonians. Thou shalt not work, thou shalt not eat. They tried yeah. this, this everybody yeah. uh, only gives limited effort. Everybody gets to yeah. get, enjoy the benefits in the, yeah. in the first colonies. And it didn't work out. That's right. Socialism never worked out. That's right. Individual effort is something that, that the Bible calls us to. Make the most of every opportunity. When you're working, work as if you're working under the Lord. What does the Proverbs teach us? Like the ant. <laughs> and so what in our false mercy, thinking that government's solving yeah. problems, what we've done is we've created a hammock instead of the best social program, which is a job and preparing people yeah. for jobs. Oh, amen. And so I, you know, we filed a bill that goes in line with that song. I've got the bill. 20% of our, of our food stamp program right now is, is uh, junk food. 
I filed a bill. So that's ridiculous. Not only are we being yeah. asked the taxpayer to pay for the fudge rounds, but we're also picking up the tab on the Medicaid and the, and the Medicare element, which is 25% of our GDP is being consumed by healthcare costs in this nation. So because of what we're teaching young adults that driving obesity, predisposition, predisposition to diabetes, cancer is, in, is compounded by, by, by um, sugar. Who do you think is pushing back on that 20% of our food stamps? Me saying no more ice cream, no more desserts, no more soft drinks. Soft drinks is 10%. Wow. Who do you think is pushing back? The uh, well-heeled I, money interest in Washington, D.C. that makes, yeah, makes I guarantee the dime you off of its pushing we back. We have backslidden so far that common sense isn't common anymore. And a moral compass is lacking in so many. So we have to be a part of the answer. We have to have self-governance. We have to begin to implement these biblical principles and teach our children. Uh, we may have lost a generation in some cases, but we didn't lose it overnight. We may not get it back overnight, but we've got to start re-educating our kids in what true compassion is. Well, we're out of time for this segment. We'll be back in just 90 seconds for your phone calls. The number is 719-619-2341. We'd love to hear from you back in 90 seconds. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm Dwayne Sheriff and I've got Congressman Josh Burkeen here with me. And uh, man, I'm excited about talking to him, knowing that we have people up there that really do love the Lord and are, are fighting the good fight, the good fight of faith. This is a fight that has to be fought for for our future and so josh is fighting that fight i wanted to return back to the gang of 20 and get some inside baseball because josh was a part of that that movement that really made a difference those 20 people made a difference let's go ahead and, and take donna donna is a partner with truth and liberty and she's from texas and uh donna what is your question Hi, my question is is kind of like a comment also, but I was just thinking maybe some of the Republicans that are um, more established been Congress in Congress for many years. 
are they growing weary of the fight and just deciding we'll never get it? Yeah. You know, that's just, so, a, yeah, that's an, that's an excellent question. And, and my answer will come from more like an outsider and then we'll get uh, Josh's Congressman Josh's uh, take on that. But, but absolutely one of the reasons I pray for Josh and others is it is a battle. It is a fight. You've got the opposing party that is absolutely corrupt. You've got corruption within your own party, like the Gang of 20 when they stood up to do the right thing, were attacked. And then the big thing is the Goliath, the national media, that absolutely assaults these people. So from an outside uh, view of things, I definitely think many of them are battle-weary, but we need to pray for them. And we need to make sure the ones that are not really going to fight get replaced. That's my take on that. Uh, Josh, what do you feel? Yeah, it's Stockholm Syndrome, um, which is, you know, that's a dramatization, of course. But it's that you you get into a place to where so many of these people, um, they give up hope. They, they see year after year, fight after fight. And they, you know, are, are you know, our, our problem, as I espouse the first of this program, is massive. And our solutions are in millimeters when the problem's in miles. And I think these people get up, get up there and they think, well, best I can hope for is millimeters. And we keep thinking, we quit thinking big. Um, that's why, you know, this time around, after I'd left state government and went back in the free market and uh, my little heavy equipment business, I knew that the Lord was doing some things in my heart to make sure that I was looking at a higher level. Um, because you can get frustrated on what you see around you. Um, but how are you going to inspire someone if you don't have hope? Yeah. And so what I know the Lord's called me to do is be an anchor in Washington, D.C. Uh, when we're rudderless, just throw an anchor out and say, I'm sitting here. You're going to have to move me <laughs> and, uh, um, because I know it's the right thing to do. You may be rudderless and you may be without direction, but I'm not going backwards. And uh, to go against the tide, sometimes you, you throw an anchor out. And that's what the group of 20 was. We were throwing out an anchor. Yeah. And, and we were saying, you've you got to have us. And, and um, I love the old statement that says, what was a, an oak tree? It was once just a crazy little nut that decided to stand its ground. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, I know firsthand that Josh and many others stood their ground, and we saw some movement. It gave me hope. And I just want to say again to those that are watching, we've got to vote for people that have some fight in them. This is, this is not normal anymore. They're, this is a battle. This is a battlefield. And we have to start empowering people that can think big. Yeah. You know, in ministry, uh, I've been encouraged by Andrew Walmack Ministries to think bigger, to, to increase my hope, my vision, my dreams. And, and God and faith is the substance of things hoped for. We've got to have congressmen and women that have great hope in the potential of, of this uh, constitutional republic. If we'll just get back to the Constitution, but, period. But, I, I, but, I, uh, it's, I know it's just a piece of paper. I've been amazed in my lifetime that people have honored it because it's just a piece of paper. If we don't have people that are willing to honor it and, yes. and stand for it and, and put the anchor down, yeah. we're simply going to continue to be adrift. So tell me again about the behind the scenes yeah. and things that you guys did. Yeah, so that group, you know, Freedom Caucus, um, you know, what, you know, is there's some that would point and say, oh, it's a, just a radical right. I would tell you it's a common sense that was in, in our country 50 years ago. Don't, it's common sense. Don't lose your ago. thought, please. But as a listener, you've got to train your ear to hear the falsehoods that are propagated 
on anybody who just makes a common sense stand will be called radical right. Yeah. Because to them, it is radical right. Just simplicity of stewardship, of a moral conscience, of principle-driven values. Those are radical right extremes to someone who is absolutely morally bankrupt. Yeah. So don't fall for that terminology of the media that if you just stand for common sense, you're radical yeah. and to the right. Again, 50 years ago, you were you were more than mainstream. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, to that point, I actually stood in front of the Republican conference and they asked me to pray. And I knew it was an opportunity as I saw Eisenhower standing in the back of the room uh, on, a, on the wall in the meeting room area we were meeting in. And I actually just as a way subtly um, to be gentle, as, as we're called to in the Bible, to just kind of say to the Republican conference, this was weeks ago, I just really want us to analyze how far we've fallen. When you had a guy running for president, Eisenhower, Supreme Allied Commander, who's, who makes this statement, uh, I put it to memory years ago, and he said, he's quoting a philosopher, he said a philosopher came and, and was looking at America to, to determine the greatness of America, and he looked at her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it wasn't there. He searched for the greatness of America in her rich minds and her vast world commerce, and it wasn't there. He searched for the greatness of America in her democratic Congress and her unmatched constitution, and it wasn't there. He searched for the greatness of America in her public schools and her higher institutions of learning, it wasn't there. It wasn't until he went to one of her pulpits, and he heard her pulpits flaming with righteousness, that he understood the greatness of America, that America is great because America is good. But if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. That's allied commander Eisenhower running for president of the United States in 49. How far have we slipped? What would, what would, what would Eisenhower, MacArthur, what would they say about what the Freedom Caucus just two weeks ago was having to do to make sure the National Defense Authorization Act is not paying for transgender reassignment surgeries and paying for people that are stationed in pro-life states, paying for the reimbursement to go to a place to get an abortion out of, out of the dollars that are supposed to be buying the bullets. Right. It's common sense that we've lost this because of hmm. the cultural rot because we have turned away from biblical truth. And Isaiah 5 is playing out. Woe to the nation that calls evil good and good evil. It substitutes darkness for light, light for darkness. Um, bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. It's become wise in its own eyes. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> that's us. Abraham Lincoln challenged us as a nation. Have we become so intoxicated? He said this in 1863. Have we become so intoxicated with unbroken success, we've forgotten to humble ourselves? And he challenges in a, in a writing that goes out all over the Union in 1863 for people to humble themselves. Look what's happening in our culture. Yeah. Pride. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln's first requirement in that proclamation was humble yourself. Well, you know what he's doing? Abraham Lincoln, I think, got in the Bible and got got in the Bible and changed his presidency. We know he's reading about Job when he's in reading the wires coming from the battlefield. We got history that tells us he was reading the book of Job, and then we also know that he, in, in quoting this 1863, he reciting it. He's quoting Second Chronicles seven twenty seven fourteen, which says, "If my people are called by my name, well, humble, humble themselves." themselves. Amen. Amen. So uh, pride is the assault absolutely. where God opposes the proud. It's Psalm, the Psalms 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Think about that. Blessed is the nation whose God, nation, not just individual. Yeah, God wants to reach every individual, and we're called, I'm specifically called to reach every heart possible. But he also says, blessed is the nation, the collective people whose God is the Lord. And then he says, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. And we've got to come back to God. 
individually, but we've got to come back to God in our institutions and especially those that we elect. We yeah. get to elect who represents us. This yeah. is what amazes me. How can we elect anybody that hates our country, that doesn't love God? And yet we do it all the time over some personal uh, interest. We'll elect the most ungodly people because we don't have that self-governance. We, we don't know how to humble ourselves. God is changing this in the name of Jesus. You know, I, I, I've been <laughs> missing the target you've been aiming for. What happened in that group of 20? Yes, I was going to call you back. Seeking the Lord. Yeah, tell, tell us that about Freedom that. Freedom Caucus, what you don't know is it's a group of men and women who pray. And if, if we, we start a meeting and somebody hadn't prayed, somebody's challenging somebody to pray. So I want you to know I find that group uh, super encouraging. It's a group of people that I'm not going to tell you they're perfect. Right. All of us. Are in, I love what George Washington says. He said, he said, if God could give me infallibility among public opinion, sign me up. But since he can't, the closest I can hope for is upright intentions and close examination. What he's saying is examining the facts and that my intentions are upright. And I am in a group that I call the spine stiffening group in Congress. <laughs> when Billy Graham made the statement that uh, uh, when a bold man, a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. It's a spine-stiffening group, that little group. That's awesome. And that group is pulling the conference to the right. Ever since the head of the year, that conference has been pulling to the right. Um, and there's been a, a, a lot of fruit that came out of that taking a stand. But what didn't most people didn't see behind, you know, it was it had not been for Tucker Carlson, we wouldn't have any air cover. He's about the only <laughs> one on the national front that was giving us some air cover during that. Yeah. And uh, um we were praying in those mornings and heavy on my heart by day three was Psalms 107. They cried out to their Lord in his distress and he led them by a straight way. And I'll just, I'll, you know, to expedite because I don't want to uh, you know, take too long. There was a gentleman who I'd been talking to that wasn't even a part of the 20 holding up the, the, that, that process. And I was engaging with him because I respect him as a fiscal conservative. And I was struggling to find specifics that would have give us a chance to get off the omnibus diet where every year it's a you know yes or no vote and you don't have the chance to do what i learned from tom coburn that is to bring forth those amendments that can cut spending and and return it back to normal order where if anybody rank and file can actually put an amendment and cut spending for 10 years we've been on omnibus diets one bill bloated christmas laden pork laden um, and you just get a yes or no vote. Everybody goes back home in their district that votes for it and says yeah i know there's a lot of bad but there's so much good i didn't have any choice well putting forth amendments on the floor that anybody can put forth to expose the garbage, mm -hmm. that's very potent. And I learned yes. that from Tom Coburn. Yes. And so I was holding out for that. There's a gentleman that I was bringing in, wasn't even part of the 20, he has my respect. And uh, I, on the fourth, third or fourth morning, was saying to the group, uh, Chip, you're exhausted, talking about Chip Roy. Chip, you're exhausted. I mentioned this guy's name, love for him to come in and, and just give us some information. And there's another gentleman who made a very strong comment about, you know, the point where you reach a climax in, in negotiations and that you have a tremendous opportunity that you may never get again to do something. About that time, the gentleman that I had named comes busting through the door and says, I just mentioned him in the last hour, saying I want him involved. I think he's going to give us some valuable insight. He comes busting through the door. It's a secret location where we're meeting all those days. And he said, I left my vehicle on the street. <laughs> and I don't know if you'll get anything out of this, but I was here 10 years ago when we replaced the speaker and nothing changed. If you can get any specifics that were in that deal we were talking about, you'll do more to change this thing in 10 years since I've been up here. And I knew it was, I knew that was the solution. You know, we are called to be people that balance the written word plus 
the reign of word of God. Yeah. And to be spirit led, but also anchored in biblical truth. Yeah. And I knew there was a rhema moment there that the Lord was, what I'd been hearing in my spirit loudly of Psalms 107, they cried out to the Lord in their distress and led them through a straight path. I knew that was the right solution. That's why 14 of us said, that's the, that, that is the deal. We feel like it's the best deal we could get out of this process because nobody was running for speaker and they just, right. nobody was moving forward. We weren't moving it was the a numbers. tough time. It was a four day stand, but and I want to say this, I hold no ill will towards Speaker McCarthy. It was not personal. When I was meeting with him personally, I was telling him, you know, that, that this was about me keeping my word back in the district to make sure I didn't go up there and continue the, this, this process of, of, we all know we're about to go off a fiscal cliff. What did you do about it, Josh? Yeah. And I was driving my sword in the ground saying, we've got to have some proactive change. Biggest to that in terms of just for this year's budget was going back to the 2022 non-defense discretionary spending levels, which ultimately puts us at lower levels on the non-defense element. That's separate from Medicare and Social Security, which is off the table. Um, a lot of complexity there. I don't want to confuse people. Nonetheless, we were staking out. Let's do something about our debt and our deficit spending. Let me run some of these questions by you and uh, uh, see, see what your thoughts are. Uh, and this is interesting. I feel strong about this. I don't talk about it, uh, but I have prayed about it uh, because I'm just not informed enough. And I don't know where you are in this, but one of the questions is what can be done about the January 6th prisoners who haven't even been charged? Yeah. Do you know much about that? And can you speak into that? Yeah, so um, I have, as, actually as of yesterday, reached out to a friend of mine that's um, on, in the, if I name this group, um, it would be irresponsible. Let me just say this is a national media group. I've got a friend that is a reporter with, within them. It's a conservative group. I'd given him some names about uh, a couple months ago. I actually went to the detention center uh, where, the, where those uh, prisoners are held. And I had five people uh, telling me that it was not their lawyer, but the judge himself that was waiving the Speedy Trial Act. That was of great concern to me because of someone that believes in the rule of law, that the Constitution, that nobody's above it. I'm not above it. No member of Congress is above it. No president, no member of the judiciary is above the speedy, uh, what the Sixth Amendment says about guarantee your right to a speedy trial. And then you have federal statute that actually lists that and puts a number of days between, nine, I think it's either 90 or 100 days. Um, I was being told that their judges were saying in the interest of justice, we're waiving this. And so that also in tandem with what about those that were a part of riot and looting in the streets? Amen. What's happened with the speedy trial with those? Yeah. And so I'm very interested in, in, I took those names, handed them over, and I'm very interested in what this group can do to bring to public exposure. I'm not on the Judiciary Committee. I'm not on the Oversight Committee, which is those committees that are specifically talking about this. But I, even in that four-day standoff of the Speaker's race, we were actually bringing forth the uh, Church Committee to go after the weaponization of, of where our government's going after us. And, and, and so and that gives permissibility for that group to be here. I think go the ahead. reason this question came in the first place is there are many of us that are just astounded at the weaponizing of the DOJ, yeah. the weaponizing of, yes. the, of the FBI, the corruption. Uh, no one is safe. Yeah. In 2016, I got a rhema from the Lord on Trump being elected and that one of the purposes was to reveal all this corruption. And even Christians are confused about this Trump issue. They don't see the deadliness of what's yes. happening and that we're losing the republic in the sense of if you in power can weaponize the government yes. against a 
former president, where, where does the church stand? Where do businessmen and women stand? And this weaponizing of the government is pretty serious on it a is. lot of our hearts and we can see it, but it's like, why can't others see it? The two tiered justice system we have. So to brag on the Freedom Caucus yet again, as in the last couple of days, we're making national news because of a vote that said that we have got to move uh, towards using the power of the purse when it comes to the Department of Justice. We're an Article One entity, the Congress is, the representative of we the people. And what that means is, interestingly enough, if you look at the 7,700 words that are in the Constitution, um, 2,300 of those is Article One. It delineates the responsibilities of Congress. A thousand words for Article Two, which is the presidency. Three hundred words for the judiciary. Which one uh, do you and, think that and, was supposed to be the most important and, and or the least important? And the least important was supposed to be the judiciary. In fact, and like have, everything else, it's upside, it's down. upside down. And these people are out of control. They're, yes. Uh, can you defund the DOJ? So you're on top of where I was going. That the power of the purse and the ability to say, if you're going to do this, we have a, a responsibility to, to to go after your, your budget. And so, also a part of that four days leading up to, not in that four-day standoff, there were concessions. People said, why did you have to wait till the head of the year to do that in full public? Why couldn't you have got all that ironed out in, in the months before? What you don't know is we were ironing it out, months and months of that. And the, you know that was just the climax of what had been yes. months of negotiations. Prior to getting to the four days, we were obtained, the Freedom Caucus, specific to one individual, obtained, uh, Morgan Griffith, to his great credit, obtained the Holman Rule being brought back into uh, utilization of our tool chest. The Holman Rule says we don't, can't just only, we don't have to just only target divisions of government, we can target individual salaries. So we have a tool in our toolbox to go after those that are, that are not implementing justice blindly. Wow. Man, I would just love to see some of these things happen and start to change because I think we can turn it around if we're willing to make the stand. Yes. Uh, one of the questions that's really good, too, is about the border governors. Uh, why can't they do more? Why don't they do more? I know Governor Abbott, I'm a, I'm a bordering state. You You're in Congress as a representative of Oklahoma, but we border Texas, so we just right. have a lot in common. And, and, and overlap yes. with things in Texas and, and Oklahoma. And I know Governor, Governor Abbott is making a, a stand yes. as a government, and boy, he's being assaulted yes. and falsely accused, and yes. he's protecting his, his constituents, which is what his job is to do. So what do you say about the border governors, and why don't we see more of them uh, step up and defend? Well, you know, look, to... To the constituents of Keith Self, who was one of those 20s, came as a freshman with me, Chip Roy. Chip Roy, to his great credit, was, um, you know, he is leading on because he sees this so close. I see it in Oklahoma. I'm not, not like uh, uh, Keith and, and Chip, but we see it in Oklahoma because something unique to Oklahoma, Oklahoma passed a ballot initiative that brought Oklahoma to where, sadly, our state is the leading exporter of marijuana of all uh, 50 states. And so where the drug cartel are finding a fusion with our marijuana growers in Oklahoma, we see the casualty of that. And the, the cartel is richer and more powerful because the last two years of 6 million uh, uh, illegals, 6 million illegals have come across that southern border. Hmm. That's twice the population of Oklahoma. Hmm. They've come across into this, into this nation illegally. We went under, uh, under Trump where we had a 45-year low of illegal immigration, 45-year low. And we now have the, a record that we've never seen in our nation's history. The difference of leadership, the difference of pronouncement, the difference in adhering to the rule of law. Uh, our Constitution, Article 4, Section 4, actually says um, we guarantee to every state a republic 
and to protect them against invasion. And you have 17 counties in Texas that have declared an invasion. Yeah. And so we have a violation of the Constitution. Do I think that this president has violated the Constitution on, on Article 4? Absolutely. Do I think my orcas has? Absolutely. Will I vote on impeachment on those grounds? Yes. I'll also vote on the grounds of that Article 2, Section 4 lists three things that uh, are, are impeachment is supposed to follow from, and that is treason, high crimes and misdemeanors, or bribery. We have a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act that was passed in the 70s, modified in the 90s, and it actually lists not just you receiving money, but if your family members receive money, that's the definition of bribery according to federal statute. And wow. I believe that, that that threshold has been has been reached when you have nine different members of this current administration's family that have received $17 million by bank records. And you've got Devin Archer who came before the committee and actually said that there were 20 different phone calls that occurred with between this setting president as VP and Hunter's uh, business associate. So you got a DOG J that is a blind on yeah. that front, covering yeah. its tracks like yeah. kitty litter. <laughs> when they were signing the guy for five years who slow walked this, David Weiss, and putting him over the quote special counsel. Yeah. So he can cover up his own tracks as to why he even let statute of limitations expire on some of these cases and why he was willing to give this sweetheart deal that included no prison time for things that others with the same crimes were getting time for. This guy's the one who's going to make sure that justice is followed. And, you, and then you have this prosecution on the other side of the DOJ is trying to take RICO charges, mobster charges, and apply it to uh, Trump. It, it's just, it's egregious what's happened in this country. And uh, they're, they're turning this country into, into a banana republic. Absolutely. And we have to use the power of the purse to, to right something. Absolutely. Well, we're counting on those that have that moral compass to do the right thing, yeah. to make the stands and make the hard decisions and follow through. And one of the things that that concerns me as a minister is the the lack of discernment within the body of Christ. We have to wake up. We have to see what's going on and diagnose it. I'm not talking about to be discouraged or disheartened or even dismayed. But if you don't see the problem, you're not willing to pay the price then to fix it, uh, to address it. And when, when we have Christians that cannot see the assault on Trump, forget his personality, forget you don't like him for this. You just mentioned a few things in regards to the policies that the man did that the yeah. media covered up. Right. It's like they cover up the good of any Republican and cover up the bad of any Democrat. Yes. And if we can't start discerning this and seeing that we don't need to be a party to even these accusations against innocent people, we, we, we're just going to be the next target. Uh, again, the Lord spoke to me clearly that he would use Trump to reveal corruption, not create the corruption. He's being falsely accused of creating all of this. No, this stuff was here before he was president, and he was like a lightning rod that is bringing all this corruption to the surface. And we're going to have to address some of these things in the future. And... Uh, I do hope that you guys will make a stand as far as uh, holding back the funds on the DOJ. Border. Uh, the border. Tell me, tell me about border because yeah. I know that you're on that committee. We're yep. about to run out of time. We'll get but started. The, the, the border is, is, it is open. It's because they've messaged that it's open. And, and when you, you think about what they're doing in Texas, they've got rent a fence. With the wall stop that Trump put up, I've been down there twice. They've got rent a fence. They are renting fencing material. It's called rent a fence. I stood with a picture with it. 
Trump's massive border wall that was effectual to stop people from coming across, and they've had to put up these paneling called rent fence. And Texas is spending $4 million a year to let the Texas Department of Public Safety do what the federal government refuses to do. You've got, you've got DPS, Texas Department of Public Safety, using taxpayer monies out of the, the Texas is having to ante up, trying to stop it. And you've got Homeland Security over here saying, come on, come around them. We'll help you get in illegally. Mm. I mean, it is so egregious how the rule of law is being violated. Mm. What is your what is your uh, opinion and observation of the illegal immigration? Uh, a lot of Christians, this to, in my opinion, they're just deceived in the name of compassion, uh, uh, honoring law breaking, yeah. honoring uh, disobeying the ordinances yes. of man yes. in the name of even compassion. And individually, we need to be compassionate. And those that really are do something. They'll yeah. take people into their home. They'll yes. feed them. They'll. But these people that have ulterior motives, they won't do anything personally. Yes. They expect the government to do everything. What's I, what's, I, what's going actually, on there? Uh, Phil Robertson off Duck Dynasty has a podcast called In the Woods. And I had never seen something in 1 Corinthians 13 to the level he exposed it. And he talked about that there's a missed word within 1 Corinthians 13. Love always protects also. Mm-hmm. Now, for this culture, it's in cultural rot. Um, you need to know what Jim Caviezel, who was Sound of Freedom, I actually had a chance because I'm on Homeland Security to meet him. And then we're going to hopefully have um, Tim Ballard, who he plays, coming into the committee to testify about this sexual um, uh, um, slavery trade that's coming into the United States. They can you know, sell a drug once. They can sell a human being over and over again. Right. Tim Caviezel, Jim Caviezel, from the Passion of the Christ, told myself and others in a small group, that we're number three in America for child pornography consumption. Think about that, brothers and sisters. Number three in the world. And a lot of it is, and the sex and human trafficking is right down at the border. And I was amazed at how many people came out against the movie Sound of Freedom, which shows their hearts and their true colors Go ahead. So when Bill Robertson talks about love always protects, we have people that are coming in this country that are abusing children. And that border, when you have, uh, it's the largest death of 18 to 45 years of age is fentanyl. We we have people that are dying. That that number, that's 70,000 a year, 70,000 a year. Think about how that relates to Vietnam. That is because the cartel is pushing. So when we, love is patient, love is kind, but love always protects. That's right. And so we have the, why do we, why do police do what they do? They're protecting us. It's that's our love for mankind. That's, that's love. And so why do we want law enforcement? Because there's a protection element that's based upon love. And the definition that God says is love. And also love does not rejoice in evil. All right. We need to go into our second break. We'll break here for 90 seconds. And then we'll take your calls or your questions at 719-619-2341. 90-second break, and we'll be right back. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, All you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. 
Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. It's not enough to know what God's will is, but you have to learn how to do things God's way. Now, because of the new man on the inside of me, because of the cross, I can daily deny self. And if you don't learn to do that, you're not gonna fulfill all God's will for your life. You know, you don't find the beginning of God until you get to the end of yourself. Hey everyone, welcome back to Truth and Liberty. And I'm Dwayne Sheriff, your host today. And I have my good friend, Congressman Josh Burkeen. And uh, we're gonna take a few more of your questions. Uh, we'd love for you to, to call in. It's 719-619-619-2341. And I also wanna encourage you to call in if you need prayer uh, of any kind. Our prayer line is open 24-7, literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And these people are amazing that are available to pray for you. That, that number is 719-635-1111, Again, we're taking your questions and fielding those, and Congressman Josh is doing a great job. Uh, Man, I'm just privileged to get to ask him questions myself personally uh, because he's a no-nonsense guy. He's going to give you the straight answer, which is rare. And um, in most cases, at least my experience with the congressman, you're going to get a biblically-based answer, uh, which is so vital to what God is doing. Remember, I believe our good friend Andrew Walmack believes that we're in the beginning stages of a third great awakening. And out of great awakenings come reforms. Uh, and I believe that part of the reform that will come out of this third great awakening is government and that mountain uh, being taken back uh, for the Lord and for the kingdom of God. And so one of the questions that came in, Congressman, was what, what good will congressional hearings do if they have no ability to convict how do you how do you deal with that in in uh, dealing with corruption, dealing yeah. with uh, things that are not only corrupt, they're illegal. Yeah. That's going on in Washington D.C. Well, you, you know, as being someone who believes in the rule of law, and I, I want to define that again. The rule of law is is it the Constitution? It sets the parameters, and as an Article One entity, we are to be the lawmakers. And adheres to the rule of law and wanting to see, I believe, the blueprint for finding a country blessed again uh, to the level that, you know, historically we have been is we go back to biblical virtue and constitutional adherence. And so I can't advocate for the rule of law without being a hypocrite if I say, well, we're going to mix the two. Constitution delineates. This is what Congress can do. And so the hearings are always designed to bring forth information so that you can create legislation. It's always the purpose. I'm taught that in orientation. You know, I've only been in eight months. But that, they made that specific point when I was in orientation. It's about drafting legislation. We don't convict, right? That's, it, that's the adjudication that happens in the judiciary. We don't enforce. That's the executive. 
And so, look, this is why it's so important in this nation that we have a revival. Um, Exodus 18.21 says, You shall select out of all the people able men who fear God. Now, I want you to think about what's happened with these, with these bribery claims, okay? You shall, 18.20, what would happen if we, John Adams said, if we adhered to biblical, uh, um, if, if we had a biblical adherence, if we lived our society uh, up to the Bible, I'm paraphrasing John Adams, he said, what a utopia that would be. One of our founding fathers said that. So just think about what our admonition, if we followed Exodus 18.21, it says, you shall select out of all the people, able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over then, over heads of thousands, over hundreds, over fifties, over ten. What would happen if we had people that advocated in their, in their personal virtues, if we didn't elect people who lied anymore? First time that they lied, that was a, that was a disqualifier. First time that they, we, it was discovered they were engaged in sexual immorality to a heightened level is a disqualifier. You know, there was a time in our country where those yeah, things mattered. Absolutely. But now we have people in the White House that, you know, cocaine's fine on the White House grounds, no big deal. Um, you've got somebody having a human appendage that was created by plastic surgery that's exposed and it's, it's, it's disgusting. And it's on the White House grounds, but no big deal, just don't come back. The reason why we have cultural rot, the reason why we're top three in, in consumption of child pornography is because line upon line, precept upon precept, we have allowed this like a frog in a pot and the temperature has been turned up and we have not had men and women who stood for truth and said, we're not electing those kind of people anymore. And the, and the Bible is clear. Uh, it's somewhere in the book of uh, Judges where it's Gibeon's son who stands up and Gibeon's son's. Um, have gotten involved in in decadency where for power and control over power, Gideon's sons killed off other sons. And you have this son, he stands on a high mountain, he hollers out, and he he tells a parable. It's a weird parable. You'd think it wasn't coming from the Bible, but it's in the Bible. Look it up. He says, he said, look, he said, all the trees gathered together, and they called out to the olive tree, and they said, come stand and sway over us, meaning be leader over us. And And the olive tree said, why should I give up the fruit that I'm producing to do that? And then they called out to the fig tree, and the fig tree said, why should I leave the sweetness of what I'm producing to do that? And it calls out to another type of, of vegetation, and same response. Why should I leave what I'm doing to go do that? And it says, then they called out to the bramble, and the bramble said, sure, I'll come and, let, and, and stand sway over you conditionally. Hmm. That's what happens when good men hmm. and women who don't adhere to biblical character in their hmm. life, when they don't run for office, mm-hmm. Than somebody else who's for after ambition, fame, and glory. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have in this country. We have people whose identity doesn't come from a loving God. It comes from the praise of man. Yeah. And when the praise of man builds you up, their criticism will always tear you down. That's why you put that's why people are in there peddling free candy. That's why we're in the debt we're in. They they placate to the masses. And that's the that's the battle of the flesh between electing people who have a, a strong, deep rudder. Amen. Versus those that are shallow and are blown away to yeah. and fro because they want the approval of man. It's the difference between a David and a Saul. I'm going to come back and ask you a question after these comments that I need to make. Brothers and sisters, it comes home to roost in our own hearts and lives and how we vote. When you think about how many Christians are absolutely voting for immoral people, corrupt people, people that are anti-God, anti-America, anti-Bible, anti-church, it literally makes no sense to me at all. We can turn this thing around even as believers if we would simply vote our conscience, vote biblical principles, vote who's closest (laughs) to where we are. Nobody's going to to be a, a 
if you will, available to pastor a church that we put in office, even though I believe Josh is. And there are Josh and congressmen and women like Josh that would be a better pastor than some of our pastors throughout this country. We're not voting for a pastor, but we are, and we need to vote for people that have a moral compass, that have principles that are based in Judeo-Christian principles. Uh, And that's the only thing that's going to turn this around in the natural. Sure, God's going to intervene. I believe he is intervening. I believe that we are uh, a nation that has been birthed by God himself with a destiny that God's not given up on. But it still starts with you and I in our hearts and voting for people that that can and will make a difference. And that leads me to the question to you, Josh, that you kind of segued into this is is how do we encourage people to run for office that have a moral compass? Let me say this. I don't want to say, you know, when I was talking about the disqualifiers, if you're practicing it, I love what First John teaches. The difference between sinning, you know, we're all sinners. There's no infallibility. But there's a difference between practicing sin and sinning. Right. In First John, the whole narrative is about those who practice. It becomes a, a life lesson. They get good at it. I'm talking about people who practice greed, who practice yes. bribery, who practice yes. sexual immorality and advancing for sexual immorality. And so they can't see clearly anything else because there's confusion. They're in a fog of haze. They can't make good judgment calls right. on behalf of others because they don't make good judgment calls on behalf of themselves. Right. And, you know, look, we've got a, a, a culture out there. We've got to learn how to talk to people, too. We've got to learn how to. How are you going to encourage someone who's living in sexual immorality, all kinds of sexual immorality? All kinds of sex. The Bible constantly talks sin about sexual morality and all, all kinds. And so, you know, pornography, if pornography is taking over your life, that's sexual morality. God says that's destructive. And it goes into homosexuality. It goes into all the other areas, you know, that what's happening with, you know, the transgender that's, the, that's being heightened. But all of us have to do a self-eval. Lord, am I keeping my eyes pure? Am I dialing 311, Job 311? Like nine one one, I made a covenant with my eyes, and I looked lustfully. Oh, yeah, I didn't know what you're dialing it. You, <laughs> you dial it in me. your heart. Am I dialing that? Amen. Am I per- and so I'm not talking about people that's a disqualifier long term, but look for people who have good character now. Yes, who are advocating for biblical truth. Right, um, because that will turn our country. So I, I want to make sure I was plain on that. Nobody's perfect. Oh, you were, you were, you were crystal just, clear. You're good. You're um, good, my brother. <laughs> so all of us have, you know, it, it, so I have skeletons in my closet. Are you living righteously before the Lord now? Yeah. Are you striving for righteousness? Yeah. Man, God forgives you. He cleanses. You're a new creation. All things have passed Amen. away. Move forward. God's got a call on your life for government. Go do it. There just has to be more people the Lord is speaking to. I've watched in my lifetime and in pastoring many people raised up from within our church and our our, our system and uh, sister churches of men and women stepping up and the mega major difference it makes. Uh, I know a lot of people are afraid of, of the attacks on them the- and assault. Give us your quick testimony on, on that because I watched you courageously uh, run for state Senate and, and win and had to overcome. When you ran for the U.S., uh, Congress district seat, uh, there were some things that came to my home, uh, brochures against you. And of course, I know you personally, and uh, they didn't set good with me right. at all. I, I wasn't able to do anything except pray for you in that sense. But 
a lot of people fear those kind of things and they won't step up and run for city council, uh, school boards, yeah. uh, district uh, Congress uh, seats, Senate seats in the state. There's all kinds of opportunities to serve and make a difference. What, what encouragement would you give? Obey the Lord. <laughs> so proud of my son in your Amen. church. Amen. Um, Sunday morning, I watched my 12-year-old raise his hands. Praise God. And I watched tears. I could get emotional. Yeah. Talking about this. So he's worshiping God. Amen. And uh, afterward, we were driving home. I said, Colt, what was going on? And uh, his name's Colt Justice, by the way. Uh, that, that old saying, that, talking about the Colt 45, God made all men, but Sam Colt made them all equal. <laughs> Colt Justice. Uh, anyways, his name's Colt Justice. And uh, I said, Colt, why'd you do that? He said, the Lord spoke to my heart that scripture about, you know, basically denying me before men. And uh, I'm so proud of it. Amen. And what is he doing in that moment? I told him, I said, son, this is what you're doing. I said, you're shaking off the fear of man. Amen. You're sh and so how do you get that off? It starts in, you know, little ages when, when God says, do you care more about what people think or what, or what, you know, I think about you. And to, for him to glorify his God and not care if he was to look radical, which, you know, in your church, it doesn't look radical. But still, it's, <laughs> that's a 12-year-old thought that every yeah. young man has to yeah. conquer, every young woman has to conquer, yeah. and to obey the Lord every time that he calls you to say something, maybe uncomfortable, and you obey him because he pricks your heart, that's how you shake off the fear of man. That's awesome. And, and it's your children, brothers and sisters. Let me encourage you to sow into your children. Get in a good church. Get in the Word. Pray for them daily and nightly as you put them to bed. Just a quick prayer over them because a great awakening can take decades to get to its apex, yes. and it'll be your children, it'll be my children and grandchildren, actually my grandchildren now, that are going to be in the middle of a great awakening, and we need to be preparing them now. We got some more some more calls coming in. We've got Frank uh, from Missouri. Uh, what is your what is your question, Frank? Praise the Lord. The uh, the military budget. Okay, Hello. Start over, Frank. Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm glad, start over, glad to be glad to be. <laughs> I guess we're both trying to talk at the same time. Uh, but uh, I just I just wondered about the, uh, 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 you know, what can you say or do to, uh, uh, you know, it, protect the, the the military budget from the the perverted uh, uh, over whatever overspend or whatever what, what can yeah. you say uh, yeah frank the, the know, military budget is getting crowded out by all the other unconstitutional things that that congress has picked up in the last hundred years if you go back to 1900 there's a book called restoring the dream that stephen moore people will recognize stephen moore when i've had the chance to encounter him um, i tell stephen i'd love to see the updated numbers on this um, but stephen moore as a part of you know being engaged with the contract of america in 95 he wrote a book and he shows you on page 217 of that book that in 1900, that 60% uh, of all tax collection was on the uh, local level, and only 20% uh, of total tax collection in this country was on the federal level. And by the time we got to 1990, those numbers had inverted. And 67% of all tax collection was on the federal level, and only 20% was on the local level. And you think, well, that gives us more money to be able to spend more on, on military, right? We're at the same level. Of, of what we spend, um, actually we're at a lesson level where that's where we're headed in terms of our total spend going towards the military, but it's because everything that used to be local and state handled in terms of issues, spending over uh, environmental quality used to be on the state level. 
So many things used to be handled on the state level now are handled on the federal level, and it's crowding out the military budget out of our ability to, to respond appropriately and, have, and to be able to project um, peace through strength. Um, weakness invites the wolves. And that's why Reagan was so wise on this. And so, when I'm, you know, those of us that are advocating for cuts, we are advocating for cuts non-military. Now, do I think that there can be efficiency within the military? Absolutely, I do, Frank. Um, I think that uh, the $6 billion that, that in general account, accounting that says, oh, we've got $6 billion more to spend uh, on Ukraine uh, because we made an accounting error. I, my office led on a letter. Uh, trying to get to the bottom of this because they're trying to trying yeah. to figure out between replacement cost and true cost. How do you how do you make a six billion dollar most states budget right there mistake? Be, because I mean that, how how does that happen? Well, we we've got to get the military to pass an audit, which they've not done since 2018, and to actually successfully pass an audit. And so, look, every time that we're not being efficient within the military budget, you're stealing bullets out of the men and women who are being on the on the front line of their guns. We, we've got to. Thank you for standing up, uh, being on that budget committee and, and making a difference. Thank you so much, Frank, for your call. I uh, hope that helped. Let's go to Marsha in Texas. Um, Hi. What is your question? Um, I Hi. love the show and appreciate everything you're doing. And I have a quick question. Thank I you so Texas. much. If yeah. we abolish the IRS, every working I'm for American that. can pay. Yeah. Every working Sorry. American just paid a flat 10% income tax. You just fill out a card, here's the total, and here's the 10%. And we eliminated illegal immigration and at least 50% of public welfare. Where would we stand financially? Uh, look, you, you've given us an injection of hope, right? Um, um, you know, take the farm bill, for example. I grew up as an ag kid. I'm, I'm a former state FFA president. Some will know Future Farmers of America. I was state president. And uh, some are asking, what are you going to do on the farm bill? I want a conservative farm bill. They're trying to plus up the farm bill right now to a trillion dollars. It's never been in our nation's history. Most people don't understand where they're plusing it up is food stamps. 80% of the farm bill is food stamps. Remember I told you earlier in the program, 20% of that's just going to junk food. 10% of the total farm bill food stamp pro program spending is going just to soft drinks. Think Coca-Cola, Pepsi, uh, Dr. Pepper, that type of soft drink, sugar, diabetes water. And, and so to be able to go in and know that in two years, this administration has plussed up the food stamp program 27% in two years. It's a violation of the rule of law. It's why I filed a bill to say, let's, we're going to go back to before uh, COVID expenditure on the food stamps. Um, so much of what we're doing is allowing the rule of law to be averted. Article 1 says all legislative powers be vested in the Congress. The purse, the power of the purse belongs to Congress, not the president. He is in violation of the rule of law doing that. So we reverse that. We use the power of the purse. We use a bill. Sadly, you didn't think you'd have to have a bill. The moment they, they would have thought that he plussed up the food stamp allocation 27%, you thought Congress would have locked down, right. been an anchor, and said, we're done until right. you go back to constitutional boundary here. Right. But, you know, the, we don't live like that because Stockholm Syndrome in D.C. So, you're, but the onset of your question also, a uh, big component of it is the flat tax. I, I love the flat tax. Now, the 10%, if you remember the, uh, those that have run, it's more likely to have to be 17%, I think, in the way most people have done the math on it. Um, the question is, can the, are the American people that pay nothing willing to participate in their governments? You've got so many people that earn income tax credit that get $12,000 rebated. They never paid a dime in taxes. And so we have to get away from peddling free candy in this country to solve our problems. And that's hard when the flesh says, give me more. And if we don't start buying vegetables, we're not going to have a nation left. 
That's so, so true. Thank you so much for the call. And again, these are the things we need to be praying about. We need to be talking about people that are running for office that the reason I supported and was so encouraged with, with Josh is I knew he would make a stand on these things and that he wouldn't fold. We even talked about even his presentation and he can be a little rough, but I would rather he be rough and right than soft and wrong. We've got to make these changes. And so thank you for that call. I think that needs to be a part of the national debate. Can I say something? Absolutely, I jump, jump back in. Because you know this. Um, when I was in state government, the Lord had to use me getting, I self-term limited when I was a state senator. I said, I'll serve eight years and I'll come back home. I came back home and started my little business. I spent a lot of time sitting on a dozer on, on an excavator and a semi-truck thinking about how mad I was at those that I didn't live up to what, you know, the campaign conservatives that when you get in caucus meetings aren't advocating for pro-life, but they pretend they are. Now that's in the minor leagues on the state level. Yeah. And I had some things in my heart. I didn't realize I had a lot of bitterness. You can't influence somebody that you don't love. And one of the things that you, you and I have had distant conversations, even in meetings about the Lord, as you know, had to soften my heart and bring me back to a place to where that I understood that my calling is to love people as much as I want to see them do what's right. It has to be both. Yes. And as you and Jacob, your son, have talked about the ditch um, of, you know, there's one, there's people who don't take stands because they want, you know, they're peddling free candy and they've learned populism and that's how you get elected. That's a ditch. There's no character that takes to just tell people what they want to hear. But then the other ditch is the ditch I was in where you, you are shooting straight, but it comes across in such a pharisaical manner. It's not in love. And the Lord just really had to encapsulate it on my heart, that First Corinthians 13 scripture. And this is how we reach a broken, dying world who doesn't understand this, that we're foreign to. You can speak all the right things. You can surrender everything you have to the poor for what you believe, right? But if you don't, if you have yeah. love, it accomplishes Amen. you nothing. And I was brokenhearted leaving the state senate saying, God, you know, I accomplished nothing because I didn't love. And so trying to find that, knowing that the narrow road that he calls us to is to speak the truth in love, something I've heard you say a lot. And uh, that is the fight. And so how do you, how are you going to encourage someone who, you know, is living a lifestyle that God says is immoral? How do you encourage them to want to do it God's way? A lot of times Jesus asks questions, right? Or we know of one particular intent. He said, I'll answer your question if we'll answer mine. What if we ask the question <laughs> of that person, you know, who's just, you know, be, you know, bent on their lifestyle, just say to them, what if God loved you so much that it's out of his great love for you, he knew you would never be happy in living that lifestyle and that's why he set the rules. Amen. And give that person a chance to think about, because look, the Bible's true. That sin not only causes death long-term, eternal death, but it causes death in our heart too. And to give those people a chance for the Lord to speak to their heart in those moments. And we did it in such a way that's gentle, that we stepped on their toes without messing up their shine. The moment you offend somebody, they lock down, they don't hear anything. And so may the Lord give all of us the ability of what 2 Timothy 2.24 says, that the man of God must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in op opposition. If perhaps, I mean, if I did it in the right way, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Amen. Awesome. And let me just say to you on, on international television that you did a lot of good. You sowed a lot of great seeds. We were proud of you. Thanks. Uh, and we knew God was working on you just like he was working on us. Uh, God is constantly working on every one of us to prune us, to refine us for greater things. And now he's honored you and made you a influencer on a national level that 
again, I'm super proud of you, you and what God's doing. Thanks for the question again. All right, we got AJ from Colorado. Uh, what is your question, AJ? Hey, Pastor. I just wanted to say hey. great job at the Better Together Conference. Uh, thank you for that. That was awesome. Marriage is a part of restoring our country. If we can't restore the home, we won't restore the church or the country. So thank you. Amen. And I was thinking, uh, well, what my question is, is do you have any practical ways that a man could love his wife and a woman could respect her husband? Oh, man, you got us off the beaded path of government. Now we're back to self-government, uh, the home and government of the home. Yeah. Uh, I'll actually tie this in. Josh would probably like to, to jump in here at some point on this as well. But again, there's, there's, there's different levels of government. Uh, all government starts with self-government. And then there's government to the home, that there's divine order. And outside of God's order for the family, things collapse. There's government within a church. A healthy church has church government. There's boundaries, rules, consequences for violating those, those boundaries. And then there's, there's uh, 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 different levels of government uh, in, in the sense of local government, uh, state government, and then, and then national government. But it starts with self-government, and that's why God addresses the husband as the head of the home, he's responsible to make sure he loves his wife as, as he loves himself. Again, we're back to original government of self-government that if you're selfish and self-centered, you not only self-destruct, you destroy everything around you, your, your spouse, your children, your home, uh, ultimately then your community. Uh, so it's important that the husband and I taught on loving the wife with the kind of love she needs, preferring her. And it's important that the wife uh, reverences or respects her husband. Ephesians 5.33 was the main text for that. Let me just say, AJ, that I was so glad I ran out of time uh, because I never got around to what is disrespect for a husband. And that was all the proverb scriptures of nagging. I, I am so glad I ran out of time and I didn't have to address <laughs> that issue on a national level. Uh, so I want to make those CDs available. You can contact us here at pastordwayne.com and the marriage conference is available. But again, self-government, uh, uh, family government, local government, church government, state government, <laughs> federal government, all of these things have the same principles, and this is why Satan has destroyed the home. Yeah. The reason our national government is collapsing is because the home collapsed. The reason the churches are folding and failing is because churches are just extended families. The nuclear family is what God created first. He created family and, and the family government before he did Israel, before he did natural government, uh, before he did the church. So uh, I'm not going to dive in. We're running out of time. And I'd like to hear Josh's comments and whatever the Lord may be saying to him in regards to, again, husbands loving their wives, wives submit and respect your husbands. Um, practical ways a man can show love to his wife, do the dishes. We all know that. 
I do the laundry. Um, <laughs> now, wait a minute. I have to interrupt. Sue, Sue sorry, Josh. Uh, Sue has forbidden me to do the laundry. I've, I've tried that, and man, we had to get a whole new wardrobe. So go ahead. I'll do the dishes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Do the dishes. Um, do, do the things that she wants to do that you probably don't like to do. I, Amen. My wife likes to take long walks, and she knows I love her enough to take them with her these days. Amen. I've had to mature in that area. Amen. Um, and how can the wife show respect to the husband? Um, man, you know, thankfully, um, you know, when the Lord's been convicted me, that's not one he's been convicted me. I've had to leave her to the Lord and let him convict her of that. And Amen. I think, you know, look, I think there are so many of us that think if I can, um, let me just say this. Focus on your part of it. Amen. Don't focus on what can I do to get her to show more respect to the Amen. husband. You focus on your part, she'll respect you. Amen. And you know, AJ, I opened that conference up with how that you have to listen for you, not listen for your partner. And yet, even during that conference, and it was awesome, and the response was overwhelming, there were a few people that when I talked about the husband and the role of the husband, they actually held what I said over the husband. They didn't even hear what I said about them. And our personal pride and self-centeredness and how we have to focus on us. And so that is the key. Well, man, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I don't know if we have any more, more calls uh, that we need to take. We've only got a little over a minute left. Uh, and so I think we've covered the, the, the calls. Can is I there, add one more thing on that one? Absolutely. Yeah. That's where I was going. Men, guard your eyes. Guard Amen. your eyes. Um, make sure that in a world that, uh, you know, you can't lead anybody any further than you've been yourself. And so all of us as men, is every man's battle. Guard your highs and make sure your wife knows that you are devoted to her, that you are, that she is the highest level of, of your attention and uh, your esteem. And in the little moments, I think so many men, if you want to have her fall head over heels with you, make sure that you know that, that, that she knows she can trust you. Um, and that you're guarding your eyes and leaving Amen. those only for her. Well, thank you for being a part today of Truth and Liberty. Uh, man, it, I, I don't know how you could have been a part of this and not ble be blessed at some level. I know there were things that have just encouraged me, strengthened me, and that's what we're here for is to encourage you and strengthen you in the Lord. Again, our prayer line before we, before we close this segment out, our prayer line is 719 635 1111. Pray about being a partner of Truth and Liberty. We're just asking people to give $5 a month. Become a partner for $5 a month. You can contact us at Andrew Walmack, Andrew Walmack, awmi.net, and uh, commit to being a partner. Again, thank you so much for being a part. Thank you, Josh, for being a part. This was awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed it. God bless you for being a part. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.